You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning, friends. My name is Evan. I'm the creative arts pastor here. And uh, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room with us, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us. Um, as always, you can give. If you came prepared to give today, you can go to westsidechurch.org slash give, and that'll walk you through the process there. Um, we've been walking uh, together through a month of prayer and fasting together as a church, as a community, um, praying for our community, praying for our church. Uh, praying for our city and our nation. And uh, even this week, we launch into praying for our global community, um, our friends and family through Christ all around the world. Um, and so I hope you will continue to join with us. Every day we, we release daily devotionals and, and prayer points. Um, you can get on our website at westsidechurch.org slash 21 days. And uh, we want to finish this week strong at the end of these 21 days. Just believe that God is going to speak to us and change our hearts and continue to align us with his Holy Spirit and what he's doing today. And so thank you for those who have been joining in with us. And uh, we hope you'll continue that. Uh, you know, we have uh, arrived at this moment in history. It's a, it's a fraught moment. It's a tense moment. Um, there are tensions and disagreements, seems like everywhere we turn. And I would love to say today that the church actually has been immune from that. But we know better than that, don't we? Uh, that even within uh, our community and, and maybe even in your family, you've experienced some of the tension that is present in our world today. And that tension can spill out into um, a sense of fighting. It can spill out into a sense of uh, that the people that we have loved for so long now have become enemies in some ways. And so uh, as we kind of wrap up these 21 days of prayer, um, I want to believe that God has something that he wants to do in our church, in our community, to bring us together, maybe like never before. Yes. And that sounds like a tall order in January of 2021, but I believe the Holy Spirit is up to something today. Amen. You know, there's a, a, a lot of discussion by some very smart people um, who are looking at the church um, today, in our country especially, and asking the question, uh, what will the church be when it comes out of this season of COVID and uh, political division and uh, disagreements? What will the church be? What will the church find as its ethos, its, its main thing? What will churches look like on the other side of the season that we have walked through and are continuing to walk through now? What will be our main thing? And I would question this. Is it possible that several thousand of us in this church could ever agree on anything? We're not alone in these questions. This is not something new. This is not something that um, all of a sudden we woke up in 2020 and, and, and realized, hey, the church has to figure out how to get along. This has been going on for as long as the church has been a thing. There's 17 different churches in the New Testament that we know something about. Uh, the church in Philippi and Antioch and, and on and on the list goes of these different cities that had these churches. And back in the day, uh, you know, if you didn't like something that was going on in your church, you couldn't just leave and find another church in town. That's not how it worked in the first century. There was a church in that city. So if you wanted to stay in community, in, in community with other Christians, you were kind of stuck with the people you were with. 
Church shopping was not an option unless you wanted to move, which was also very difficult. And so here we had these churches that were filled with a lot of tension, a lot of disagreements, a lot of issues. And I think one of the, the best pictures of this is the church in Corinth. Paul would write two letters to the church in Corinth, First and Second Corinthians. And in Corinth, man, they had it going on. It was a big, huge mess. Uh, there was disagreements. There was blatant sexual improprieties. There were um, people teaching false doctrines. There was discrimination and rudeness. There was stupidity and snobbishness, all these things. And yet, all the good stuff that happens in churches was also going on. People were extending forgiveness. People were, were finding Jesus to, to be uh, incredibly powerful in, in their difficult lives, that the presence of the Holy Spirit was with them. They were baptizing people. They were sharing in communion. Uh, they, they were doing all these things too. And so you have this, this tension. They were holding these two things together at one time, that there was difficulty and struggle and ugliness and incredible beauty in the presence of Jesus. That kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That kind of sounds familiar, that it's not just one thing, but that the present in the community are both the worst of humanity and the best of humanity in the presence of God, that this community had both things. And so this is what Paul writes. Paul is, is the overseer of this church. He is kind of the, the apostle who, who would write to these churches and give them counsel. And so he writes this to a church divided. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, now I encourage you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, agree with each other and don't be divided into rival groups. Instead, be restored with the same mind and the same purpose. My brothers and sisters, Chloe's people gave me some information about you. See, he's got spies in the midst. Chloe. He's got Chloe. Chloe's people. It sounds like a, like a, a, a mob movie or something. Chloe's people gave me some information about you. That you're fighting with each other. It doesn't take Chloe's spies to know when people are fighting, but it's okay, Paul. What I mean is this. Each of you says, I belong to Paul. Well, I belong to Apollos. I belong to Cephas. Well, I belong to Christ. And Paul says, has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into Paul's name? See, he's, he's asking, who do you belong to? Who, who, who has gotten your allegiance? Who has gotten your name uh, underneath people that they own? It should only be one, and that's Christ. Verse 20, where are the wise? Where are the legal experts? Where are today's debaters? Hasn't God made the wisdom of the world foolish? In God's wisdom, he determined that the world wouldn't come to know him through its wisdom. Instead, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of preaching Jews ask for signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, which is a scandal to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ's power, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. So Paul was, was recognizing that there was these two factions in the Corinthian church. There was the Jews who had grown up on stories from the Bible of miracles and God coming through in this, this very spiritual interaction with God. And then there was everybody else, the, the Greeks, the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people who were looking to God for answers of life's big questions. And Paul says 
in answer to those desires for what the church might be, he says, Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. Basically, he's saying, listen, Jews are asking for God to come through with miracles and Greeks are asking for God to come through with answers. I've got a better way. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to put him at the center. There's all these factions and everybody has an idea of what the church should look like in the days ahead. Because here in, in the city of Corinth, you had these, these Greeks who were very much into philosophy and debating. And so that there was this desire for the church to become a lecture hall that would host these great debates between Greek philosophy and Christian philosophy. And then on the other side, you have the Jewish converts who are, who are new Christians who are saying, let's just lean into the miracles that God can do for his people. Let's just lean into the more mystical side of our faith. And Paul comes and he says, neither of those things are bad, but we have to stay true to why we are here and come around the one thing that we should all agree on, and that's Christ and him crucified. And eight different times in his letters, Paul would come back to this point that we preach Christ and him crucified. Last week, Pastor Steve said this. He said that it's the one thing. The one thing that everything that we do and everything that we are and everything that we say and everything that we post should flow out of is the presence of Jesus. It's sitting at his feet. It's learning from him and listening to him. It's Christ and him crucified. Uh, you know, it's important that we realize that, that we preach Christ crucified, not only because of what Christ accomplished on the cross, but what he set in motion when he was crucified on the cross. So when Jesus died, his disciples had been hanging out with him and they were, you know, they were feeling pretty good. He was a celebrity. Uh, he was good at what he did. He's healing people. He's, he's producing miracle bread in the wilderness for the multitudes. Uh, his, his name recognition is off the charts in, in the country. And so the disciples are like the crew, the entourage that go around with Jesus. And then unexpectedly to them, Jesus dies on a cross and he's no longer with them. And they immediately experience a radical transformation from being the, the guys who felt pretty good just being in the Jesus crew the guys who had lost their leader and were scattered. And so it sets in motion this process, and, and maybe you'll recognize some of the, the pieces of this process as the disciples experience loss and fear of the authorities around them. They go into lockdown behind closed doors, feel fearful for their lives without the protection of Jesus with them anymore, and of course, uncertainty. They didn't know what was coming in the future. Um, this is the process that we will get stuck in and that we will end our story as the church with unless something happens in this moment. Those four steps, loss, fear, lockdown, and uncertainty, that will be the final chapter unless something happens in this moment. And so we look to the disciples, what happened for them to get them out of that process and into the next phase of this process was something really beautiful. John 20, 19 says it was still the first day of the week that evening while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid, Jesus came and stood among them. See, the only thing that will break us out of getting stuck in those four pieces of that process is if the presence of Jesus is among us. 
if he is the thing that we come around, if we find the living presence of a living Jesus in our midst, we have hope that that will not be the end of our story as the church. Because what a terrible end. If, if, if the final breath of the church is one of fear and uncertainty, my goodness, we've lost. But if the living Jesus is here among us, if he is the one that we all come around and agree upon and find unity around the living presence of Jesus, we have hope that there's more to come. When Jesus shows back up, I would imagine if I'm a disciple, I'm like, this is great. The band's back together. Let's go back, get some more of that miracle bread. Man, everybody loves a comeback, right? This is going to be great. And Jesus is like, hey, not, not so fast. I'm actually not here to stay. And they would have been reminded of, of um, something that Jesus said at the Last Supper in John 16 when he said, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, he won't come. But if I do go away, I will send him to you. See, it couldn't go back to how it was before. That wasn't actually an option that Jesus was offering the disciples. As fun as that would be, as, as much as those good times were good, there's actually something better if I leave you, Jesus is saying. And so what did it cost? What did it take to move into that better thing? Acts 1-4, while they were eating together, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. And the first instructions, really, that Jesus gives the disciples for what to do when he's not with them is to do nothing at all, to wait, to pray, and to trust that God is at work, and I don't have to stir something up. So Jesus leaves them. The ascension happens at the end of Matthew, at the beginning of Acts as well. And then they go and they wait. Um, they, don't, they don't do anything. I'm sure there, there would have been some among them that would have said, we've got to do something now. We can't just sit here in this room and wait. Days go by, weeks go by. They wait and they pray. And you know, we've been in these, these weeks of, of prayer. Um, I had an assignment in a class. I'm in seminary right now. We had a class and, and the assignment was to spend four hours in solitude and silence. I lasted like, uh, I think it was just over an hour and I'm like, I can't do it. I can't, I'm out. <laughs> so I drove home. I was, out in the, I was out in the woods. It was cold. And you're not supposed to do anything. You're not supposed to, you weren't supposed to walk. You weren't supposed to, to write. You weren't supposed to listen to anything. You're just supposed to be still and quiet. Um, and you know when you watch those uh, survival shows on TV, like Alone? I don't know if you've seen Alone, the show. And you watch it and you think, I could do that. You know, and, and these guys are out, uh, th these men and these women are, are incredible in their endurance. They're out for 40, 50, 60 days in the Arctic, alone, completely alone, having to fend for themselves off the land. And I watch that and I'm like, I'd make the right decisions in every situation that they're in. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. And then an hour and 10 minutes into my four hours of just staying put, I just had lunch. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I was out. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Oh, waiting. Yeah, I can't wait. Right? Stillness is not in the cards for us as a society. My goodness. 
And, uh, and what a gift for us attention deficit folks that we have phones now, so we never have to be alone with our thoughts. My goodness. And Jesus' instructions to start his church, this is the very beginning of, of the biggest move he would ever make in, in launching his church, that here we are a few millennia afterwards, still part of it. This is a big deal. He's starting, and his first instructions to his followers are do nothing. You wait. It's interesting that I think sometimes when we hear the voice of God, it's as much about what we're not supposed to do as it is what we're supposed to go do. It's about what we're not supposed to say or not supposed to post or not supposed to lash out with as it is what we are supposed to do. And so Jesus sends them and they, they begin to wait and they, they, in doing this, enter into the second phase of their process. And this is where I believe that we are at as a church and a movement if we will allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. Part two of the process. Remember, the first part was loss, fear, lockdown, and uncertainty. The second part is waiting, prayer, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. As they wait up in this, this upper room in Jerusalem for whatever would come, they didn't know what Jesus was offering. As they're waiting and they're praying, they're in unity. It says in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 12, they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem. When they entered the city, they went upstairs where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Alphaeus' son, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, James' son, all were united in their devotion to prayer, along with some women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and brothers. They were together in unity, not unity around what to do next, but unity in waiting and in prayer. And it's in that moment that the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, it says it sounds like a rushing wind. They see what looks like fire resting on uh, each one of them as the, whole, the presence of Jesus through his Holy Spirit comes for the very first time and is given to the disciples in that room. But you know what? It isn't the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's not what was prophesied until what? Until they step outside the room. Back in Joel in the Old Testament, it, it was prophesied that the Holy Spirit would pour out on all flesh. And this was part of it when they were in the room that the Holy Spirit came on them, but it wasn't the full deal until they step outside the room and they begin to speak. And it says that people from every nation under heaven were in Jerusalem and they began to hear the gospel in their own language for the first time. And that is when this community, this exclusive group of Jesus followers, the doors are blown open and it becomes open to a whole new community. In Acts chapter 2, verse 9, it says that, that there were listening to them Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the regions of Libya, bordering Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. By the way, thank you. Yes, I said all that and I didn't even stutter. <laughs> you know, I don't think they probably handed out a survey. Like, hey, where are you from? Okay, we're going to write that down and make a list. I think it's less about actually that they, they interviewed everybody and found out that's where they're from and actually what they're doing, what Luke's doing in writing this, he's saying everybody was there. Everybody under heaven, every nation. I mean, he's, he's including everybody in the known world. He's saying this thing, this gospel, this Jesus is no longer for a closed group of people. It's for everybody, even the Cretans. Even the Cretans is for everybody. And in this moment, what happens because Jesus leaves is he actually starts a new community. 
a new kind of interaction, a new kind of relationship. No more a closed group, no more a, 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 a tight bonded you know, group of disciples, but now this Jesus is for everybody. Um, I remember when we moved into our house about eight years ago and uh, moving into a new house, you go to Ikea, I, you probably do too, you go to Ikea, you get some things for the house, you know, and so I, I drove up by myself um, to Ikea in Portland to get some things and while I'm there, I don't know if it was the Swedish meatballs or what, but I got very sick, very, very sick. And, uh, and so um, I'm, I'm realizing this and I, I won't be too graphic, but I realized that I was sick at Ikea. And so I'm, I'm in the bathroom at Ikea trying to pull myself together enough because I know I have to get home. There's no other place to go. I, you know, I thought about maybe, maybe I just hide in one of the bedrooms upstairs in their little setups, you know, just pull the, pull the comforter over and try to get like, not, that won't work. Don't give up, Evan. So I rally. My eyes are watering. I'm, I'm pale,er than I am now. And so I get in my car. I get in my car and um, I, I start driving home and I am so sick. I don't remember being this sick before. And, uh, and so I, I, I pull into Ben and I'm so glad that I made it. Um, and I pull up to the house and I look and there's cars out in front of the house, lots of cars. And I walk through the door and my new house that I've brought Ikea furniture to is filled with people. My wife has hosted an impromptu housewarming party. My in-laws are there. Uh, friends and family there, new neighbors are there, strangers are there, church people are there, everybody's in my house. My eyes are watering, and all I want to do is like take the toaster and kick everybody out of that house. Why? Because I'm so sick. And I, I always remember that story and this, the horror, the horror I felt when I got home to find my house full because I was so ill. And I'm reading the story and I'm thinking, my goodness, when God starts a new kind of community, we've got to be healthy. Otherwise, we're going to hate it. We are going to hate the community that he builds and he brings together when we're through this season of our history. We're going to hate it if we're not healthy. And when we get to a place where we, we want to just to go back to where it's just the safe, smaller crew, and my goodness, who are these other people? Who are these people that don't agree with me? Who are these people that don't look like me? Who are these people that, why are they in my home? <laughs> why are they in my life? Why am I have to be in relationship with these people? We've got to check ourselves and say, God, make us healthy enough to rejoice when the community is filling the house. The, 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 the people he will bring us, we might not agree on a lot. In fact, we might disagree on most things. But my question is, can we agree when we come around the table about Jesus? Can he be the thing that is, the, the thing that unifies us? Is, is Jesus enough for us to find unity? You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, over the next many months, uh, Westside, we're not going to make everybody happy and there'll probably be some times when we don't make anybody happy. <laughs> 
you know, and this is stressful. I remember we were driving a, a few months ago and uh, my wife and I, we, we drove past this uh, landscaping company and they were, they were taking old boards and turning them into mulch. And I looked at that and I looked at my wife. And I said, that sounds really nice. Maybe I should do that. And she looked at me and said, are you okay? <laughs> I don't want to quit my job. I, I love the church, but man, sometimes it's t- tough, right? It's tough to be in community. It's tough, it's tough to disagree and, and, and wrestle through conversations that are hard. And sometimes we just want to go make mulch. But here we are, we're called to be in this relationship together. And you and I, we, we probably don't agree on everything. Um, some of you probably just would disagree on most of the things um, that I agree about, or, or even that I said today, like, I don't agree with any of that. But maybe we could come around the table of the Lord and agree on Jesus today. Um, that you might run this church differently than, than Pastor Steve and, and us on the leadership team. And, but maybe we could come around the, the, the idea of Jesus and him crucified today. Maybe we won't come to this place where, where we all um, could, could write a pamphlet that we all sign off on, on, on all of our stances and all of our opinions and all of our things. And we can say, yeah, we are all in 100% agreement. But maybe we could come to the place where we say we, we believe in Jesus in his death and his life and his resurrection. And that's really the only thing that matters. And that we would find unity and community and relationship around the table. Even as Jesus led his disciples, who by the way, were were also a group of guys that rarely agreed on stuff, but they came around because Jesus was there. And because he was the one breaking the bread and offering the cup. And um, I do want to take communion today with, with all of us here in person and also at home. And if you, if you need to pause the, the service and go grab something to eat and something to drink, please do that. But um, what I love about communion is, is that it unites us even beyond our church uh, with, with millions and millions and millions of people around the world today who will take communion in a very similar fashion. The bread might look different, the cup might look different, but in broad terms, we are all unified through these elements of remembering what Christ has done for us through the taking of, of the bread and the cup. Um, you know, so much of, of our format lends itself to information transfer, where somebody like me gets up on a stage and talks at you for 20 minutes and tells you information you should know and you, you kind of say, okay, yeah, I, I got some of that. All right, great. But what's beautiful about this moment that we're about to participate in together is it's more than information. It's actually a receiving of something physically. Um, and I, I, I hope that we can all in our journey of becoming disciples of Jesus, we can transform as we move from just knowing about Jesus to actually receiving him today. Um, and so I want you to do this. If you can take the cup, and uh, if you're here in person, you have these little plastic things. And we're going to take the bread. First. And, uh, and so we hold the bread. And today we remember Jesus' body that was broken for us. We remember the sacrifice that he made on the cross. So that in this moment in 2021 when the world is divided, that we might be united through the broken body of Jesus. And so Jesus, today we receive your broken body. We receive your sacrifice that made a way 
for us to come together today. We receive you, Jesus. Go ahead and take the bread. And also the cup. And we remember and recognize the blood of Jesus poured out for us, for our atonement, for the forgiveness of sins. Today, it reminds us that we are all in need of a savior. We're all in need of what Jesus brought us on the cross through his own blood. Forgiveness of sins, the doing away with all shame and guilt and the restoration of our relationship with God. And so Jesus, we receive today your blood poured out for us. As we drink it today, may we receive in our bodies the presence of Jesus. Let's take the cup together. And so Lord Jesus, we would uh, pray even as we've taken communion together that you would, by the Holy Spirit, usher us in and welcome us into a new season of community in this church. Um, that in the days ahead, we would not be known um, for our music or our lights or our preaching or our programs or our buildings. We would be known by the community that you're building, one body coming around the one thing, the only thing that matters, that's Jesus, you crucified for us. And Lord, this week is, is we even um, continue to pray for, for those all around the world, many suffering for the gospel, many, many unable to uh, worship you openly. God, we just, we just pray, Father, for your, your grace and your Holy Spirit's power. Um, in places that are far from here and look nothing like this, that we would feel connected and, and bound up together in this family together. Jesus, we love you and we worship you and we thank you for your presence among us and in your church today. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, hey, we love you. Uh, we do wanna thank you again for, for tuning in. And even now you've stayed through the end of the service. That is well done. Um, I do wanna invite you back at three o'clock this afternoon, uh, at least on our Facebook, I think on all of our platforms, but on our Facebook Live, uh, we wanna invite you back. We're gonna have a time of worship as we kick off our final week of, of prayer and fasting. And so that's three o'clock um, on our Facebook page for a time of worship. Otherwise, uh, we sure hope you have a great week and uh, we love you um, and we'll see you soon.